Well, good morning, New City Matthews. Good morning. So glad that you all are here today. Special welcome to those of you who may be new with us. Thanks for being here. I'm Rodney. I'm one of the pastors here at New City Matthews. Shout out to Pastor Nick for preaching God's truth to us last weekend. It was an amazing, amazing message. But before we dive in to God's word for the day, let's take a moment and acknowledge God as the authority in this moment. Father in heaven, we thank you, we bless you, and we honor you. Thank you, Lord, for this space of grace, for this opportunity to sit at your feet and to learn of you. You didn't have to do it, God. You didn't allow us. You didn't have to allow us to be here in this moment. But since you did, God, we pray that you would help us to avail our hearts to you. Move up and down these aisles, God. Glorify yourself in our midst. We declare that you are the authority in this room. Do whatever you got to do in this moment, God. But we pray that you would get the glory in this place and in these, your people. In Jesus' name, you got to brother said amen, amen, and amen. I want to start today with a question. The question is this. How often do you take the time to pay attention to the way you live? I mean really, really pay attention to the driving forces behind the rhythms, the patterns of your life, the reasons why you do the things you do or don't do. Two weeks ago, we looked at Paul's word to imitate God and follow the example of Christ. For this to happen, we must consistently surrender to the process of sanctification. We must also, in my opinion, regularly engage in deliberate introspection. What I mean by that is looking in the mirror rather than looking out the window. This can be difficult for many of us because far too many of us are more concerned with what it is that's going on in the world than what's going on in our own hearts, in our own lives. For instance, maybe I can tell you a lot about what's going on with the stock market, but maybe I fall short regarding the definition of the root causes of bitterness that may be stockpiling in my heart. For me, I never forget it was 2013, the year of our Lord, 2013. And I began to realize that many of the things that I was doing in my life, though regular and familiar, they weren't really serving me well. I was around 40 at the time, and I was beginning to question things in my life, things that were happening around me. And so after talking to those that, I love and trust, I started seeing a therapist. And this lady walked with me for eight months. And God really used her to help me to begin to pay more attention, not just to how I was living, but to the behaviors, or the beliefs rather, that were driving my behavior. As you've heard us mention before in this series through the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is addressing the same things, isn't he? Belief and behavior. If you remember the first three chapters of the book, focus on what we believe, while the second half of the book focused on our behavior. And specifically today in chapter 5, Paul is calling you and I to be careful how we live. And it's important that as we look at these imperatives, these commands, it's important that we understand this. God's idea for change is not about the accomplishment of a list. It's about the surrendering 
of a life. God's idea for change is not about the accomplishment of a list. It's about the surrendering of a life. So as we look at our passage today in Ephesians chapter 5, the apostle Paul uses the word walk. That's the original word here in verse 15. He uses it as a metaphor for the way we live. And this is the last time he uses this word walk in the book of Ephesians, but he uses it to address our walk with God, our walk with each other, and our walk in the world. So whether it's the word walk or the word live, like the New Living Translation says, he is echoing the same sentiment that he started the second half of the book with in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, when he says, lead a life worthy of your calling. And so you and I would do well to heed Paul's words here. So with that, our bottom line today is this. Live carefully, not carelessly. Live carefully, not carelessly. So now if you're able, I want to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. We'll be looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. It should also be preloaded for you on the New City app along with the sermon outline. Ephesians 5. Verse 15 says this, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And verse 20, and give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thus ends the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Live carefully. Live carefully. Verse 15 says again, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. In verse 15, the apostle Paul begins telling us to be careful how we live. What we also see in this passage here is the juxtaposition between two vastly different lifestyles, a wise and a careful lifestyle versus a foolish and a careless lifestyle. And as Paul teaches us how to live carefully here in our text, he begins with the who. He begins with our relationships. So how do we live like those who are wise? We walk with them. We walk with the wise. Here in this verse, uh, verse 15, Paul uses the word wise, and he's using this word because the Greeks highly valued wisdom as a virtue. So Paul is speaking language that they would appreciate here, but he mentions three words in verses 15 and 16 that I want to draw your attention to. Evil, foolish, and wise. Evil, foolish, and wise. Dr. Henry Cloud has a great teaching on this where he shares that there are three types of people in the world, evil, foolish, and wise. And the difference between these three types of people is their adherence or their lack thereof to the truth. He also mentions that all of us can be influenced to act in either of these ways at any point of our life. He also mentions that some of us tend to make a career out of one of these areas. And so I want to start today by talking about what we would consider evil. Evil are those who are under the influence of the evil one. Those who are not followers of Jesus or who are embodying evil, not suggesting that everybody is not saved as evil, but those who are embodying evil. Obviously, the goal for you and I here is to avoid evil people and to not walk with them. Psalm 1-1 says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Many of us 
think that we are surrounded by evil people when most likely we're surrounded by fools. So with that, let me talk about the fools or foolish for a minute. This, in my opinion, is where many of us spend far too much time. We'll call it Foolsville. Foolsville. Many of us spend far too much time here. See, fools are like the lukewarm that Jesus talked about in Revelation. See, the fool is neither cold, evil, or hot, wise, but they like to stay right in the middle. Who remembers the song that came out in the 70s, Everybody Plays the Fool? If you're old enough to remember that song, raise your hand. Everybody Plays the Fool. Now, this song was the highest charting single for the group that recorded it. I wonder why. Because many of us can relate to playing the fool sometimes. But I think it's interesting that Paul is trying to get us to relate to something else. He's trying to get us to relate to being wise. But in our lives and the way we live, there are several things that keep us playing the fool. Selfishness, pride, lust, greed, control. And many of us often justify our foolishness, don't we? We justify the foolish things we do. For, for the rest of us, if we're not careful, we can be acting foolishly and not even know it. Because here's what I've come to learn, that Foolsville is a popular place. It's comfortable in Foolsville. It's familiar. What I've also discovered is that carelessness plays on our need for convenience. And it often looks attractive, doesn't it? In the moment, carelessness looks attractive. It appeals to our flesh. It appeals for our need for convenience. And consequently, we underestimate the cost of our foolish or our careless actions. We underestimate the cost. I remember during the fire department academy, there was a section in this academy called ladders. And there was a part of that section where all of us, each member of the academy, had to climb up a 110-foot ladder all the way up to the top. We had a safety belt on with a carabiner. We had to get to the top rung, click on, secure the carabiner, and lean back for three seconds. Yeah, Wu was right. <laughs> we had to lean back for three seconds because we had to trust our equipment. Now, hear me carefully when I say this. Your boy wants absolutely nothing to do with heights. <laughs> nothing to do with heights. So this was a time for me. I'm climbing up this ladder, and y'all, I'm sweating like I don't know what. I'm sweating so much, my helmet's starting to slide off my head. My classmates are on the ground saying, you can do it, Gray. You got this, Gray. Every scripture I knew at the time was coming to my mind. So I get up to the top, secure my carabiner on, lock in. I lean back. I come back. I'm headed down. And what we had to do on the way down was halfway down, they sent a classmate up. So when you get halfway on the ladder, you, whoever's coming down, you got to click on again, secure, and then hang off the side of the ladder. Let your classmate go up, get back on the ladder, and come down. I will never forget this day. You hear me? <laughs> I will never forget this day. And one of the lessons in that for us was you have to learn how to trust your equipment. You got to learn how to trust your equipment. Here was another lesson that they were trying to teach us. Carelessness can kill you. If you are not careful, you could die out here. And one of the things we pray every morning when we had line up in the fire department, the prayer was, let's be careful so everybody goes home. 
The lesson was that carelessness can kill you. Now, in that context, carelessness can kill you in a moment. Oftentimes in life, careless kills us over time, doesn't it? Slowly and subtly. Carelessness or foolishness steals from us the abundant life that Christ died for us to have. And it, and, and it often goes unnoticed by us. But slowly the enemy uses our own carelessness and our foolishness to rob us of the abundant life that Christ died for us to have. Now, foolish actions can be corrected. But you and I should never allow a foolish person to lead us. Let's talk for a minute about the wise. The wise, one of the best ways to live carefully and with wisdom is to do it with other wise people. And so for you and I, that means we need to find wise people who will faithfully walk in wisdom with us. Because here's something else I'm learning. Community helps us to live carefully. Community does that. Community helps you and I to live carefully. I never forget about a year and a half ago, I joined a mentor a mentoring and coaching community that has tremendously blessed my life. We're learning about emotional intelligence, spiritual intelligence, leadership intelligence, relational intelligence. This community of wise people has helped me to be able to serve my community in greater ways. One of the things my mentor says all the time is that opportunity is not always convenient. What I'm learning is that neither is wisdom. Wisdom is not always convenient. In other words, in order to gain wisdom, we have to be willing to give up our foolish or careless actions, our foolish or careless lifestyles. We need to be willing to give it up because the truth is an evil person will push you right off the mountain, won't they? A foolish person will lead you off of the mountain, often unintentionally. But a wise person will walk all the way up the mountain with you. It's a quote I love that says, pay attention to the people God puts in your path if you want to know what he's doing in your life. Over the last several weeks, we've asked you the question, who are you trusting to save you from the grave? Who are you trusting to lead you in your life? And today my question is this, who's helping you to live carefully, not carelessly? Who's helping you live carefully and not carelessly? Proverbs 13, 11 says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Walk with the wise. The second thing we see here in our passage, Paul says in verse 16, he says, make the most of every opportunity. This is how the wise live. They make the most of every opportunity. He says, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. This phrase means to redeem or purchase. In other words, you and I are to redeem the days because the days are getting darker and darker. Now, Paul here, to be clear, he isn't telling us to make the most out of every moment. Wow, that's good advice. What he is suggesting here is that you and I are to seize every opportunity for the glory of Jesus in these evil days. And you don't have to go any further than the news or the newspaper to see that we are, in fact, living in evil days. All you got to do is turn the TV on. This is why walking with the wise is important. Because according to Proverbs 4, 6, says wisdom will protect us. Wisdom protects us. Paul tells us how to make the most of every opportunity in verse 17 when he says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. So what does the Lord want you to do? I'm glad you asked. He wants you to make the most of every opportunity. You know as well as I do, there's a limited amount of time that we all have. 
It's a limited amount of time. So time is one of our most valuable resources. It's limited, but it's valuable. I want to remind you today that time belongs to the Lord, but the responsibility of faithful stewardship belongs to you. The truth is, for many of us, we have lives that are full of unproductive time, don't we? We binge watch all kinds of shows on TV. We spend countless hours on social media. I know I'm not the only person in the room that's been on social media and looked up and an hour and a half has passed. I know I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone. I'm not saying that anything is wrong with those things. What I am suggesting that in excess, they keep us from making the most out of every opportunity to glorify Jesus. I'm also not saying that those things are sin. Maybe they're just silly related to making the most of every opportunity. Here's something else. Being a faithful steward means that you steward well the gifts that God has given you. Not just your spiritual gifts, not just the talents that God has given you, but what about the gifts that are your children? What about the gift that is your job? What about the gift that is your spouse? Your significant other. What about those gifts? What about the gifts you're sitting next to right now? What about those gifts? This is how we make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. This is what the wise do. One of the things that Paul is suggesting in this for us when he says, understand what the Lord wants you to do, is what are your priorities? Is what the Lord wants you to do a priority for you? This is what we see in the life of Jesus. Jesus made his father a priority. And here's what I'm learning. When you have clear priorities, you have concrete boundaries. When you have clear priorities, you have concrete boundaries. This is why Paul says, don't act foolishly in verse 17. Don't act foolishly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Family, when we lack understanding of what the Lord wants, we act thoughtlessly. We act carelessly. We react to life. But when we have understanding of what the Lord wants us to do, then we can respond carefully in obedience. That's when we learn how to exchange what's good for what's great. Because every time you say yes to God, it means saying no to something else. Every time you say yes to God, you have to say no to something else. We make the most of every opportunity by giving God our best yes in our marriages, on our jobs, with our children, with the time he has given us. That's how we make the most of every opportunity, by giving God your best yes. And I believe that as you hear those words, you know what that means for you. You know what giving God your best yes means in your life with your context. But I want to encourage you that the hope for us as Christ followers is that though there are evil days, there's also opportunity to say yes to God for the glory of Jesus so I want you to walk with the wise and then make the most of every opportunity. The last thing I want to show you here is he says in verse 18, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18 says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice that we can be filled with things that will ruin our lives. We can be filled with things that will ruin our lives. When he says don't be drunk, he's also saying don't be foolish. But whether we live carefully or live carelessly is determined by what we are filled with. What are you choosing to fill yourself with? As Christ followers, 
We're sealed with the Spirit on the day of salvation, but we are continually filled as we yield our will to his, as we say yes to God's way and not our way. We saw this with Jesus in the garden, didn't we? When he was honest with God, he said, listen, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Because it's only through and by the Holy Spirit that we can even walk with the wise or make the most of every opportunity because it's God's Spirit that ties it all together. He goes on in verses 19 and 20 here to show us some marks of a Holy Spirit-filled life. He says, worship and gratitude are marks of a Holy Spirit-filled life. He said, make music in your heart to the Lord. I'm not suggesting that you got to be able to sing like reason. But I'm suggesting that all of us should make music to the Lord in our hearts. Then he says, give thanks to God for everything. My question to you is, is your life marked? With worship and gratitude? Or is it marked with grumbling and complaining? Is your life marked with worship and gratitude or grumbling and complaining? Isn't it crazy how we complain about the things we once prayed about? Isn't that crazy? You're single and you pray for a spouse. Now you're complaining about the spouse you got. You're unemployed and you're praying for God to give you a job. Now you're complaining about the job that God gave you. Jacqueline and I were just talking a couple weeks ago about how easy it is to slip into this sort of discontentment. It's easy to slip into that place. That's why Paul is saying, live carefully. Don't act thoughtlessly. Because before you know it, complaining turns a blessing into a burden. Now we become ungrateful for something that is actually a reflection of the goodness of God in your life. But I need you to notice about complaining. Complaining is a sure sign of spiritual immaturity. Complaining is a sure sign of spiritual immaturity. I need you to know this too, that both gratitude and complaining both mark a path. Gratitude and complaining both mark a path. It's like a trail where people have walked on a path or on grass. In your mind and in your heart, the more you walk down a path of gratitude or complaining, the more it knocks down the grass and creates a pathway that's easier and easier to go down. This is why we meet those people that they complain, and that's all they do is complain. It's all they ever do. Every time you see them, you see them in the grocery store, you can see them at church, wherever you see them, they're complaining. Literally, there's neural pathways in your mind that are formed by either gratitude or complaining, literally, in your mind. Now, if anybody, if anybody could have complained, the Apostle Paul could have. Anybody had reason to complain. Instead, while he is in prison in Rome, he writes this letter to us. He writes this letter to the church in Ephesus, and he's encouraging them and he's encouraging us to give thanks to God for everything. He's encouraging us to respond well to the revelation and to the goodness of God while in prison. I wonder who could be blessed by the shift in your life from complaining to gratitude. I wonder who, who, whose life you would bless if you started being thankful, grateful for the things that God gave you rather than complaining. What we learned today is that being grateful, it means not living like fools, but it means living, walking with the wise. It means making the most of every opportunity by saying yes to what God wants over and over 
and over again. It means being spirit-filled and being grateful for all that God has done. In short, it means to live carefully, not carelessly. So to conclude our time today, I want to share with you a phrase that you probably heard before. It says this, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Maybe the reason some of us haven't been able to live carefully, consistently, is because we've been trying to do it apart from community. In my opening story, what started as some thoughts from a therapist was undergirded by community. Was undergirded by community. And that was and is necessary for me. And if it's necessary for me, it's necessary for you too. Because during that time when I saw the therapist, even though I might have been living right, I wasn't living well. And that's what community does. That's what community helps us to do. It helps us to live well. And I submit to you, that's why, that's why Christ died. Not just so that we would have eternal life, but that, so that we would have abundant life. That's a part of the reason why we're having a time of connection for men that call this campus home starting this Wednesday. Guys, if you haven't signed up, I want to encourage you to do that. We're going to have a great time together. But the point is so that we can help each other live carefully, not carelessly. So I'm going to suggest as our application today that if you're not connected to community, that you get connected to a community group. And if you are in community, I'm going to suggest that you get more involved, that you lean in to the community that you're already a part of. And that could be simple steps. The last time our community group met, I heard somebody in my group say that they were processing something, they were struggling with something. And so an example of leaning in, I reached out. I said, hey, listen, if you, need, if you need to process that with anybody else, you need to walk, you need to talk, you need to pray about it, I'm available. Because we could all use a little bit more help living carefully and not carelessly. Amen? Amen. To God be the glory. You know, one of the things I love about community is that we get to have shared experiences with each other. It's one thing to remember the goodness of God and remember all that God has done alone, but it's another thing to remember the goodness of God and all that God has done in the midst of community. So this is why I love opportunities that we get, like today, to have communion with each other. Because we get to corporately remember the goodness and the grace and the love of God. And so the way we're going to do it today is the way we did it pre-pandemic, which simply means that you all will get to come down and be served communion. Now, as you come down in just a few minutes, you'll see that you can partake of the bread, which represents his body broken for you, and you would dip it in the cup that represents his blood shed for you. Now, if you're uncomfortable with doing that, we still have the prepackaged elements that you can partake of. Um, we also have gluten-free options up here as well. But here at New City, we have what's called an open table communion, which simply means that if you are a Christ follower in the room, whether you call New City home or not, we invite you to take communion with us. And if you're not a Christ follower, maybe this is a good opportunity for you to think about what a next step in a relationship with Christ could look like. Any of our team members would love to help you process through that. But before we partake, the Bible says that we ought to first examine ourselves. 
so that we don't eat or drink unworthily. And so with that, let's pause for a moment of examination and reflection. Father, we thank you for this sacred, for this holy moment. We thank you that before we were even formed in our mother's womb, you sacrificed for us. And so we're grateful today, God, for the opportunity to remember your sacrifice corporately. And we ask now, God, that you would search our hearts, that you would examine us, that you would remove any bitterness, any resentment, any ill will that we might be harboring against our brother or our sister, against ourselves, or even against you, God. We pray that you will create in us a clean heart, that you will renew a right spirit in us, that you would break up the ground of our hearts, that you will position us to receive every good and perfect thing that you have for us. So we avail ourselves to the work of your spirit. And we ask that you would glorify yourself in our hearts and in our minds. In Jesus' name, amen.